Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenia, Cantonier scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up for the drop, look at it, he's in alone, waiting, scores! This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, hi everybody, welcome to episode 207 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, April 15th, 2017. My name is Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And yes, it is the playoff time, and the Canadians have played two games in their series against the New York Rangers. Game one started off on Wednesday night. Canadians, they lost by a score of 2 to nothing against the New York Rangers. And then on game number two on Friday, Montreal Canadiens with a 4-3 win in overtime. So over the next hour, we're going to look back at those two games and as well look ahead to a game number three, which is on uh, Sunday. Our question of the day, pretty simple one. What changes would you make for, uh, for Sunday's game? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360. You can also go to the All Habs Facebook page and leave your comments. We'll be reading your comments and opening our phone lines uh, later on today's episode. And joining me now, editor-in-chief and owner of the uh, All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow me on Twitter at All Habs. It's uh, Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, it's the playoffs. It's best time. It's Christmas, right? It's best time of, of year in, in hockey. Uh, all kinds of playoff action with uh, respect to the Canadians organization. So, I'm thrilled, and I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yeah, and it's always great when uh, the Montreal Canadiens are, are in the playoffs. I remember this time last year around the, the Habs Nation or Habs family or whatever you want to call Montreal Canadiens fans, it wasn't uh, as uh, positive as it is right now. It wasn't as exciting. So, so let's you get started. You were in a deep depression, weren't you, last year about this time? Pretty much. At this time last year, we were probably doing our uh, recap show for the end of the season so that's kind of depressing it's kind of depressing and now it's time for this week's winners and losers on hams 360 so it's the playoffs it's a positive time so we're going to begin with our winners for uh on today's episode and well if you're listening for the first time the winners and losers is the most popular segment in all of podcasts and each week, myself and Rick each choose a winner and a loser related to the Montreal Canadiens. And, well, we divulge our winners. And our winners and our losers do get a plaque, courtesy of, uh, of allhabs.net and uh, the Habs360 podcast. So next time you see those interviews, when they're in Brossard at the Bell Centre, look behind and you'll definitely see one if that person has already won one uh, before. So positive. Canadians are in the playoffs. They won game number two. We're going to begin with our winners. And Rick, why don't you tell us who your winner of the week is? I'll just say PK who? Is there anyone? Is there any, Well, actually, there is. We've got some tweets coming up later. But um, Shea Weber, he had a very good season. But Shea Weber has been outstanding in the playoffs so far. In the two games we've seen him, this is... This is one of the reasons you acquire Shea Weber. Um, Carey Price has been unbelievable so far, but uh, as far as the skaters go, 
uh, Shea Weber has been absolutely terrific in the playoffs, and, and he's, he's going to get my uh, winner of the week. Um, it's, it's uh, we, we, you know, we saw him pick up an assist last night. Uh, we saw him uh, ring a shot off the post. Uh, we saw in game one where if the pass across had been a little quicker from um, uh, Pacioretty, I, it got caught up in the defenseman. Uh, he would have had a goal there. Uh, Lundqvist made a nice save, nice save but um, just it's, it's uh, yes, he's been contributing offensively, but on the defensive side, he has been a beast. Um, I think he had uh, 24 minutes or so uh, in game one. Last night he had 32 and a half minutes, uh, of course, with the game going into uh, overtime. Uh, four shots on net, led the team with seven block shots, uh, three hits. Um, he was he was everything you want him to be. And it, it was, you know, um, he's an intimidating guy. He's, he's, he intimidated the Rangers. And you saw uh, J.T. Miller uh, take a couple of runs at him. Um, and then when there was that scrum... Um, James, uh, Jordy Ben was on the ice and, and uh, Ott and, uh, and they started to mix it up. Shea Weber took the opportunity just to pummel, absolutely pummel J.T. Miller. Uh, and, and Weber took his, his very first, uh, that was his very first fighting uh, major of the season for the Canadians. And he picked a perfect opportunity and just uh, taught J.T. Miller a lesson and sent a message to the, to the New York Rangers. Um, and things were a little bit different uh, after that. I, uh, he said in the interview afterwards, um, I turned around, I saw J.T. Miller, and, and he had his gloves off, and that's the international sign for fighting. Well, I don't know it is, uh, but I think that... Um, that uh, Shea Weber had his mind made up that at some point um, JT Miller was uh, going to be taught a lesson. And, and that was, that was the opportune time. And uh, I was, I've been extremely impressed with, with Shea Weber uh, in both games, uh, but particularly last night. Yeah. And, and in last week's episode, uh, one of the question marks that I had heading into the postseason was, Shea Weber, uh, and that was uh, based on last season when he was in Nashville, uh, in, uh, in with the Predators when he came into the playoffs. Shea Weber's performance was down; like people were disappointed. So I was asking to myself, will the same thing happen to him this season? The difference is this year he got pretty much a week off uh, right before the post uh, season started. And well, in games number one and number two, it definitely didn't show. Uh, like like Rick mentioned, he was a beast. Uh, in game number one, five shots on goal, two hits, two block shots in under 25 minutes of time. He was solid defensively. He was very physical, and he even probably had the best scoring chance uh, during a power play when he took this uh, uh, slap shot. It was a play that uh, Rick mentioned earlier as well. And in game number two, played over 32 minutes of ice time, blocked seven shots, took four shots on goal, delivered uh, three hits. He was physical. And, well, Rick mentioned about his uh, post-game comments on, um, on uh, his scrum with Miller. Well, let's, let's hear him. No, not at all. It was just a scrum, and uh, we happened to be together and uh, had some fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, that's the first thing I saw, and uh, I don't think anything else really needs to be said once uh, the gloves are off. So it, uh, I think it was uh, well known. I think what was uh, what was going on. Yeah, so definitely he knew what was. Uh, what was going on and it's hard not to be motivated when you see uh, somebody like uh, like Shea Weber be into it be into the game very passionate 
And, well, I guess the only bad thing about that fight is Canadian ended up having two power plays during that five-minute period, and all of those power plays were really um, bad with uh, Shea Weber in, in, uh, in the penalty box. So congratulations to uh, Shea Weber. And now uh, moving on to uh, my winner of the week. And, well, my winner of the week is uh, Thomas Plekanis, who scored the game-winning goal. Uh, sorry, the game-time goal in uh, game number two. And Plekanis was playing in the line with Paul Byron and uh, Brendan Gallagher. They didn't have uh, their best game in the, in the first game, game number one. But when the Canadians needed uh, somebody to step up to have a great game in game number two, I think that line between of Plekanitz, Byron, and Brendan Gallagher was uh, probably the Canadians' best line overall during that game. And well, let's hear the final moments of uh, the third period. And that was Thomas Plekanitz with 17 seconds left remaining in the third period. And the Bell Center went nuts when that goal was scored. And in fact, it was a historic goal because it was the latest tying goal in the Montreal Canadiens playoff history. And Plekanitz, he had a good game. One goal, one assist, plus one. Played just under 20 minutes of ice time. Three shots on goal. And... In the face-off circle last night, he went 17 for 27 for a 63% success rate. And uh, even the coach was asked after the game, why was Klikanitz on the ice for the last shift? And the coach really mentioned, well, we needed to win a face-off. So that's why uh, what Thomas Klikanitz was, uh, was on the ice for, on that sequence. And Rick, I don't know if you agree, but I think Klikanitz had a great game last night. Oh, he had a superb game, uh, and and good for him. He's he's not had the best season, um, um, and and he's been roundly criticized, and certainly, you know, his his salary plays into that. But um, he was he was superb last night, and 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 for the most part, Thomas Pukanitz. I think there's a bit of a misnomer out there. Has has played well in the playoffs. Um, the uh, and, you know, Claude Julien was asked, well, why did you have, I think it was Arpen Bass who asked him, why did you have Thomas Pukanitz out um, with, with uh, just a minute left? And, and he said, well, because he was winning all the face-offs and we needed to start with the puck. Um, yeah, 63% in the face-offs. Um, but he was also, um, he's a smart player. He, he, he knows where to go. He knows what to do. And he took an absolute ton of punishment in front of the net. Um, the, um, I think it was the defenseman that broke his stick. It cross-checked him in the back, broke his stick. Uh, Placanet stayed there. Uh, Radulov, who was, was a beast last night, uh, the, the pass out front. And Placanet just, just tipped it perfectly. And, and, uh, uh, and, you know, we'll probably talk about this later, but I think uh, could be argued that he saved the the uh, the Canadian season. Uh, Thomas Pukanitz, I agree fully, uh, earns uh, winner of the week. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in our in our next uh, segment. So congrats to uh, Pukanitz, and well, we need to find some losers of uh, the week. And Rick, you definitely found uh, a loser. Well, you know what I I did, um, but uh, as you said, this is this is the most uh, interactive um, uh, podcast. Uh, you say it every week, and it certainly is. And so, uh, I'm going to turn the loser over to one of our uh, loyal listeners, uh, BZ05. If if you uh, see him on on Twitter, his name's Brian, um, and Brian uh, sent us a message uh, midway through the last night. Uh, he said, I got dibs on loser of the week. All right, we'll give you that. Um, and his loser is Nathan Beaulieu. Um, Nathan Beaulieu, as, uh, as, as Brian pointed out, um, was minus three last night. 
for the most part, he was playing with Nikita Nesterov, but he also had some shifts. They were looking to, to try and find a way of, of um, that third pairing was terrible. So they were, they broke it up and, and tried him with Shea Weber. That didn't work either. Um, Paul, you just looks absolutely lost. Absolutely. Particularly on that, the, the goal that he was on with Weber, he hadn't a clue. Um, and, you know, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, Nathan Beaulieu, you put him on, he's a mobile defender. He carries the puck. He's put him on the first pairing with Shea Weber. That's absolute nonsense. It's crap. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, in fact, again, we're the most interactive, right? So let me read something here. Uh, this was on Facebook. We won't get to it later because it's, it's, a, it's a book uh, written by Jonah Pittman. But Jonah Pittman says, now hear me out. Beaulieu was minus three in game one, but there needs to be a strategy behind each defense pairing. We've seen how they've struggled and how utterly horrible the Nesterov-Beaulieu pair was. There was no communication between Beaulieu and Nesterov. As a result, we've seen Beaulieu suffer from what mainly was Nesterov's mistakes. So you know what Jonah's solution is? to promote Beaulieu to the first pairing with, with Weber and to drop Markov to the third pairing. I, you hear it from fans. You hear it from the mainstream media. I don't know what they're talking about. I have no idea. I, well, I, I, I do. I mean, on paper, on paper, you have a mobile defenseman, puck-moving defenseman. You have a state. But watch the games. Watch the games. Nathan Beaulieu is as dumb as a box of rocks. He really is. Um, he, he, he just can't read the play. He's terrible in his own zone. And he, he uh, combined with that is his, is his attitude, uh, this, this attitude of entitlement that, that he deserves to be. He shouldn't be on the third pairing. Uh, Brian Beasy mentioned it last night in saying another tweet to us saying, remember folks, Beaulieu has nothing to learn. You remember when, when um, Nate was a healthy scratch and he said, no, he didn't, he didn't go to the press box. He didn't watch the game from up there. And they asked him what he learned. He said, no, I've got nothing to learn. Right. He showed what he's learned last night and he was utterly horrible. Um, and I, I know he has talent. I know he has offensive talent. Uh, but you got to put in the work. You got to put in the work. You have to um, address. You have to acknowledge your your mistakes, and then you have to address them. Address them. And uh, Nathan Beaulieu has not done that. It's it's funny that you know Nate was with uh, uh, Alexei Emelin, and everybody said, "Oh, Alexei Emelin is a terrible defenseman. Let's get rid of him." He was with uh, Jeff Petrie, and everybody was all over Jeff Petrie. Well, maybe. Maybe the problem really is Nathan Beaulieu. Maybe he's the problem. Uh, I acknowledge that Nesterov wasn't, wasn't good last night, but uh, that's not all on Nesterov. That's Nathan Beaulieu. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed because I expected more, but really disappointed in a, a guy who's been given every opportunity to succeed on this team and has chosen to be lazy about it. Um, and so for all of those reasons, he gets my very big loser of the week. Well, I think it's a well-deserved uh, nomination for, uh, for Nathan Boyer. Uh, to look on the stat sheet, uh, on paper, it writes like he had three giveaways in game number one and two giveaways in game number two. But uh, I don't know. I wasn't specifically counting, but at least it seemed that it was a lot more than, uh, than that. For uh, for Boyer, he and I and I have to agree that I think it's it's his attitude that uh, is is what's making Nathan Boyer uh, struggle, make all these mental mistakes. Can he not handle the pressure of being in the NHL player, of uh, being in the postseason in the market like the Montreal Canadiens? Is it the fact that he is playing with some big names like Shea Weber, Andrei Markov? He's trying too hard to be like them. I'm not sure where it is because, like you mentioned, Ricky, he has the potential on paper to be a good defenseman, but he 
he hasn't been shown yet, like a lot of bad decisions for for Nathan Bollier. When it comes to my loser of the week, I'm not going to go too far, and I'm going to choose Nathan Bollier's defensive partner and Kira Nesterov. I think he's been just as uh, brutal in his first two games as, uh, as Nathan Bollier was, and maybe even... Maybe even worse. I don't know. I think you could put an argument that he's been even worse than Nathan Bollier. Even Claude Julien benched him after the Rangers scored the first goal for the remainder of the first period. And then when he came back, he was matched up either with Ben. But, you know, there was some defensive pairing juggling that was done by Claude Julien as, as well. And so far... Like we're going to get into this a little bit more in our next segment, but I think the defensive pairing of uh, Bollier and Nesterov after two games has been the Canadiens' uh, weakest link so far uh, after uh, two games of play. And something needs to get done for these two guys uh, before game number three. So, Rick, uh, what have you thought of uh, Nesterov's play specifically? No, he just hasn't been, he hasn't been good. And um, I think since he's arrived, um, he's had, I, I guess we can, we can count maybe a handful of good games. Um, unlike, unlike Bolu, I, I, you know, the, the talent level isn't the same. And, uh, you know, people always talk about um, how Bergevin is great at adding depth defensemen. Um, and how he absolutely, uh, you know, um, steals uh, trades. I, I, I think on there's two counts here. Um, two things I want to talk about. One is I don't think when um, w- the trades that brought Nestor off here, uh, and there was two of them, it was Tim Bozen for um, – Jonathan Racine and then Jonathan Racine and a six round pick, I think for uh, Nesterov. I don't, when you go from, from Bozen plus a six for Nesterov, I don't think Bergevin wins that trade. I don't think he wins that trade. Um, And as far as defensive depth, you know, what we're not talking about here is Alexei Emelin. The Canadians miss Alexei Emelin a lot. And where's all the defensive depth that the Canadians are supposed to have? What's the reluctance to use Davidson? Uh, what about, you know, the, the uh, Zach Redmond? Um, wouldn't, wouldn't Mark Barbaria look, look nice in, in the Canadians lineup right now? So I think, I think Bergevin can be um, criticized a little bit for his moves um, and, um, and, but, you know, Nesterov just hasn't, just hasn't panned out the way that, that they thought he would to add that defensive depth. Um, and it's a bad time to have to use him right now in the playoffs. And, and as you said, he, the Canadians were basically down to five defensemen last night and, uh, because he, he just couldn't be trusted to be on the ice. And, and even when you're looking back to the, to the trades that, that the Muzakanits had to do to bring Nesterov, I throw in the name of Mark Barbario in that as well, because as soon as the Canadians picked up Nesterov, they had to put Barbario through the waivers who was picked up by the Avalanche. So that, to me, is a direct uh, consequence of the acquisition of, uh, of Nesterov. And you're right, uh, regardless how you look at it, this is not a trade. <laughs> that Mark Bergevin should put on his resume and to uh, to sh- to show off in uh, in the future. So, so Nesterov, Mikhail Nesterov is my loser of the week. So we're gonna take our first break here in the Habs 360 podcast. Come still to come, we're gonna answer our question of the week: What changes would you make for Game Three of the series between the Canadians and the New York Rangers? But coming up next, we're going to talk about Alex Galchenyuk and his role with uh, the Montreal Canadiens in the series. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast, net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Hi. 
I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Uh, in, in my estimation, it's not who you play with, it's how you play. And I think we need some uh, some scoring from all the lines. He can provide us with that, with that line, uh, some scoring, so we can get some, you know, at least be a, a scoring threat on all four of our lines. So that's the, the main goal of the whole thing. And welcome back to episode 207 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, April 15, 2017. My name is Chris G at Christy1980 on Twitter, along with uh, Rick Stevens at uh, allhabs.net. And that was Claude Julien on Monday after we saw that Alex Galchenyuk was practicing on the fourth line with uh, Steve Ott and uh, Martinson. And that's when on in the Habs Nation, Habs fans were panicking. And, well, they ended up playing game number one together and they started off really well they were in the face of New York Rangers they were putting a lot of pressure, they were very dangerous and then towards the end of the game I think it was around 2 or 3 minutes left Alex Galchenyuk played a couple of shifts with on, with Andrew Shaw and Arturi Lekkonen Galchenyuk playing on left wing as well so then we thought that, you know what maybe it's over, maybe Galchenyuk will move back to the third line for game number 2 but let's hear what the coach had to say prior to uh, Friday's game. Well, I, I think I've worked with him. I just said to you guys that uh, I think it's important to be patient with a young player. And uh, every talk I've had with him has always been, you know, uh, it ends up being a positive talk at the end. You know, you, you have to be honest, but you have to also be, uh, you know, positive with a player. In his case right now, just because we're, we're talking about one game here, the, the last game he played with that line, he had an unbelievable scoring chance that uh, Morozik saved. I said that before. Had the winning goal. He had another great chance. So just because yesterday uh, he doesn't, shouldn't hurt his confidence because nobody else scored last night. So, uh, you know, it's not about keeping him there. There was a couple of shifts I threw him on with the Shaw again and uh, and Lekanen, and uh, it's, it's up to me to find him some ice at times. But right now, it's a, it really is about the team, and everybody's got to bring something to the team, no matter where they're playing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how he's perceived outside of our dressing room here, but every chat I've had with him, he's been extremely uh, uh, receptive. He's been good. I've had good chats with him. I know he cares. I know he wants to do well. And as long as he's like that, I'm going to keep working with him, and I'm going to make sure I, I try and make him the best player possible. 
And well, considering the Canadians got shut up in game number one, I was expecting Galchenyuk to move up and remain at least in the line with uh, with uh, Andrew Shaw and Arturi Lekonen, but it didn't happen. He was back on the fourth line to start the game with uh, Ott and Martinson. And he was playing good, a good game for, Gal- for Galchenyuk. And Galchenyuk is an offensive player. We heard in the first clip when we, as we were coming back from the break, Kudrin mentioning that he's playing him on the fourth line to, I guess, get a more balanced scoring, which, you know, between us, I don't really believe it. I think he's trying to send Galchenyuk a message. But I thought for game number two, he'd bring him back up with his, uh, with Lekonen and uh, Andrew Shaw. We did see it later on in the game. Galchenyuk was having a strong game. And to the point that he even got a couple of shifts at the center towards the end. And let's hear what the coach had to say about the Galchenyuk at the conclusion of the game. Well, I thought I thought he had a real good jump tonight, and uh, you know, and at one point I thought maybe by bringing Kinger down would make it a bigger line as as a fourth line and. You know, those can change from game to game. This is what coaching is all about. You you adjust to the situation. And uh, uh, I thought Alex good. Not only did I put him up to the left, but then I eventually put him back at center too and Shazi back on the right. And, you know, I just make those decisions as I go along, depending on what I see. And I thought uh, I thought Alex had a real good game tonight. So you need to reward a guy who has a good game and uh, you need to put him in places where, you know, he can help. And uh, I thought tonight, the way things were going, uh, he was better served on that line and the other guy was better served on the other. And well, Rick, uh, like I said, mentioned that his goal was to, uh, you know, to balance the score and that's what he started them off on the fourth line. I, I think it's more to that because at the end of the regular season, uh, Claude Julien was mentioning about uh, Galchenyuk and how he wants him to to uh, to put more effort into it. And I think last night, Claude Julien saw more effort from Galchenyuk and he moved him up to play with Lekonen and Shaw. So what do you think, Rick, is the reasoning behind uh, Claude Julien's strategy? Is it is he trying to send the me- was he trying to send the message to the player, or do you think he was actually trying to uh, balance the scoring? Well, in in game one, um, he, he Claude Julien, if that was his intent to get balanced scoring, he got balanced scoring from all four lines. Uh, they put up a big fat zero. Uh, every single line was ineffective. Um, I, I, you know, I've I've been pretty positive about the coaching change, and I've been very complimentary towards Claude Julien. This one, I don't get it. I don't get it at, at all, uh, particularly after, um, you know, game one where the Canadians weren't able to get a goal to start Alex Galchenyuk, the, you know, arguably the most offensively talented player you have on the, uh, on the fourth line seems bizarre to me. Um, if if that's what the the issue is as far as 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 balancing the scoring, um, now I I think I think Galchenyuk had 13 or 14 minutes um, uh, of ice time in in game one, which you know when you're when you're behind and you need a goal, you might you might want to have your your offensively talented players out there. At that point, it's not about their defensive, which you know, has been the criticism of, of Galchenyuk is his uh, defensive lapses. Uh, you might want to have him out there a little bit more. Um, I thought Galchenyuk played a great game last night. Uh, he had five shots on goal. Well, I mean, the, the Canadians had 58 shots, so uh, everybody had a few shots. But Galchenyuk looked particularly effective. He, he got the assist. Um, again, he struggled in the... He had a couple of face-offs and, and struggled there. But... Um, I, I, I just, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, Claude Julien said in that clip that you played, it's about rewarding a guy uh, to move him up from the fourth line to the third line. Um, So can we infer in that, that you're punishing the guy 
that there's something you didn't like, whether it's work ethic, whether it's whatever it is that you didn't like. So you're punishing him by putting him on the fourth line. Um, and he talked about patience. I think yeah, patience is great as you go through the season, but the playoffs aren't a time for patience. You need production. You need performance. You need people to produce. And, and Galchenik was doing that last night. And I would have liked to have seen him uh, get more opportunities, particularly when you have someone like Andrew Shaw. Now, remember all season, we, and there was a couple of times that, that Andrew Shaw got the plaque for loser of the, the week. Um, and he kind of responded, but, but Andrew Shaw didn't have a particularly good regular season, but everybody said, wait to the playoffs. Just, oh, you wait to the playoffs. You watch Andrew Shaw was built for the playoffs. Where's Andrew Shaw been? He's been awful in the two games so far. Um, and he's, he's occupying uh, the center role on the third line, and he's also occupying the, the first line center power play role, which he's been terrible at. Um, I think that as we go along in the series, and, and as Claude Julien mentioned, there was some swapping going around. We saw Shaw move to the right wing. We saw Galchenik play some, some center. I think you're going to have to see more Galchenik, less Shaw, for the Canadians to be successful. And just for the, for the ice time, game number one, Galchenik 13.52. And something to note, uh, Dwight King had 14.01 of ice time. So King had more ice time than uh, Alex Galchenyuk. But when it comes to uh, to Andrew Shaw, I think that ever since Claude uh, Julien took over, we've seen a different Andrew Shaw. He seems to be performing better overall than what he did under Michel Terrier. And I agree he hasn't been very visible in, in the, the first two games of the playoffs. And I'm just wondering... How much of that is it because he's playing at center? Like maybe he isn't super comfortable at center. Maybe he's the type of player that could pan out on that spot for one or two games, but long-term it's not where he's totally comfortable. Maybe that's the reason why we also saw Galchenyuk at the end of game two playing a couple of shifts at center and the Shaw was put on the wing. So I think we definitely do have to take that into consideration as um, as well, and what kind of role do we expect now Askel Chenyuk to have for game number three? We saw him on the fourth line, we saw him on the third line as a winger, we saw him as a center to uh, conclude the game, and Rick, I think for game number three that we're going to see Galchenyuk playing center based on what we saw towards uh, the end of the game. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, that would be, I, I mean, the natural, the natural solution is to move uh, drop King to the fourth line with Ott and Martinson. I'd, I'd argue that that there's some there's some reasons to take Martinson out of there, um, but leave that aside for now. That would leave uh, Shaw, Lekkinen, and uh, Galchenyuk, um, and and. You, I would I would like to see Galchenyuk at center and and for you know for uh, key faceoffs you can um, you can put Shaw in that role um, that's kind of mix and match there but I'd I'd like to see that line um, together the 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 second line is is uh, the second line was the best line I think last night with Buchanan, Gallagher, and Byron and you leave the top line alone. Uh, I think that's the most natural change um, as far as the skaters, as far as the uh, the forwards for uh, next game. But we'll see what Claude Julien has up his sleeve. Here and there made the difference tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we had some chances. Uh, the first period we had a great first, and you end up coming out of there down one nothing. yet you should have been up uh, one nothing. So those are things that happen in the playoffs. And uh, what you do is you keep your composure. Uh, you face the adversity that that you have along the way, and uh, and, you, and you regroup and go back to work. It was just one of those things where you know we had chances. I thought we were there for those chances, and uh, you know their goaltender played well. I thought their D, uh, you know, protected them well as far as you know getting rid of those loose pucks around the net area. I don't think again it was a tight game, so you know you can't stand here and say we didn't do anything right. You know it could have gone either way. I really feel that. Uh, we had as good enough, uh, as good a chance to win this game as they did. Uh, 
uh, instead of us getting that first bounce, they did, and they took the lead, and then they prote- protected it well. It was a tight game. Yeah, it was a very tight game. Uh, both goaltenders played great. I mean, I can't think of how many times you're uh, open, and then the, the lane was closing quickly. So first game of playoffs, I know everyone's charged up and, and uh, you know, really playing the right way and, and making sure they don't, don't have any mental uh, mistakes. So there wasn't much room out there. Um, hopefully we can use our speed next game to try and open up some more ice and make some more chances. Yeah, a little bit. He got he got a lot of wood on it. It was a pretty good shot. Um, didn't really think at the time it was going to be the difference. So you got to give that team credit. They played pretty well, and uh, I thought Hank played outstanding. And well, there we heard that Claude Julien, we heard Max Pacioretty, and Carey Price following game number one. And well, their message was a pretty positive uh, overall. Obviously, they're they're not going to talk uh, I'm not going to be negative about it but they're pretty positive and I tend to agree with them with the attitude that they have following that game but um, but Rick when I was looking at social media between game number one and game number two you think that the series was over you think that uh, Claude Julien would be getting fired I actually checked for the hashtag fires Julien and I did find several tweets with that uh, hashtag attached to it. And I don't know, like, one thing that I was surprised between game number one and game number two was that there was no changes whatsoever. But I wasn't I wasn't panicking yet. I was a little bit concerned, I guess, the word I was. But there was no panic. How did you feel after game number one? Well, I, you know, I, I understand that Claude Julien wanted to take the the posture that uh, we played well and, um, you know, we, we just, we had some bad breaks and he, he said, we need adjustments, not changes. Um, and so that's kind of, you think confidence building uh, for his team that, okay, um, we, we just need to, to tweak a few things. Um, but we're sitting here now at, at um, you know, and the series is tied 1-1. How close, how close were the Canadians to their season being over? The answer, 18 seconds. Last night, Placanitz tied the game with 17 point whatever, 18 seconds left in the third period. Now, I understand it's a, it's, it takes four wins, but if the, the Rangers had gone up to two zero, particularly with both wins in the, on the road in the bell center, oh, the series is over. It, the series is over. The Habs would have had to win four or five. I mean, that's just unrealistic to think that was going to happen. The series is over. So I think that should send a clear message to Claude Julian that um, it's more than just tweaks. We, we do need some changes, whether those are changes in personnel and, and we don't know. Let's hope that Emlyn's coming back. We don't know that yet. But also um, changes to the to the lineup. Um, so I, I, you know, no, it's not time to panic, but it's time to take things seriously uh, and and realize that the the Canadians, while they've played well, they really have played well. Um, they they could be very well looking at the end of their season if not for the heroics of uh, Thomas Buchanan and Alexander Radulov in, in overtime. Uh, well, we knew we had that in us. Um, there was no, there was no doubt in our, in our locker room. You know, it's uh, sometimes it's not always going to be, you know, it's not always going to be easy. So, uh, you know, we just stuck with it and found a way. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely played strong. We had a lot of chances to ice that in overtime and uh, Henrik played Really, really well. Made a lot of really big saves, but we stuck with it. Um, just so many guys rolling, like four lines of, of continuous pressure. Um, our, we knew our backs were against the wall. We knew, uh, you know, what the buzz was like after losing one game. You don't want to go down to nothing. So, um, you know, it's just one win. It's very, very important. Uh, but it's something very, very good to build off of as well. Well, I mean, it's a, it's just one of those things where. You know, I know they, they've done a lot of comebacks this year in the third period and have uh, done a good job of that, but I think it was more of a real character 
uh, win for us. The way we just stuck to it, we didn't panic. I think uh, we just stayed the course right till the end, right till that uh, tying goal. And then we came out in the in the overtime, and our goal was to play on our toes and to go after them, and uh, and that's what we did. So I think uh, to each guy, you know, when you when you face adversity sometimes and you face it the right way, good things happen. And now we heard from uh, Carey Price, Max Pacioretty, and Claude Julien following game number two. So we could hear now that the Canadians are heading to Madison Square Garden for games three and four with uh, probably a lot more confidence than they had following uh, game number one. All right, we're going to take a break. Now's the time to give us a call. The phone number to reach us, toll free, one 4945 And our question of the day, what changes would you make for game number three? You can also let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can also leave your comments on the All Habs Facebook page. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Icecaps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. All right, then uh, we know Rick Stevens, part of the AHL.Report team, keeps a close eye on uh, the uh, St. John Ice Caps. And Rick, the Ice Cap season is on the line with our next game. It certainly is. Uh, the Ice Caps put themselves in good position uh, by uh, back-to-back shutouts last weekend. Uh, Zach Fucali got a shutout uh, on the Saturday. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, after playing for the Canadians. Uh, on Saturday night in Detroit, went to Utica and um, and shut out uh, the Utica Comets, putting them, uh, setting up a, a perfect scenario for them to control their own destiny this weekend. They have back-to-back games last night and tonight against uh, in St. John's against the Toronto Marlies. Unfortunately, they lost last night's game, 5-3 to three to the Marlies, uh, which makes things a bit tense for them. Right now, one game to play. Uh, both St. John's and Utica are fighting for the fourth and final playoff spot. Uh, the Ice Caps have a one-point advantage, um, but uh, tonight they uh, again they control their own destiny. If they win tonight against the Toronto Marlies, um, they're in the playoffs. Uh, if the Utica Comets lose tonight uh, in their game um, uh, against Syracuse, 
the St. John's Ice Caps are in the playoffs. Now there's other scenarios depending on overtime games and whatnot, but um, basically the St. John's Ice Caps have to come out, play a huge uh, game against the the Toronto Marlies. The Marlies are, you know, they've been on quite a streak. They they um, uh, are eight and two in their last ten. One of the better teams in the AHL, and um, it's not going to be easy. But the Ice Caps need a win, and um, we want to see playoff hockey for the AHL version of the of the Canadians um, to have all three organizations, uh, all three Canadians organizations in the playoffs. Speaking of that, uh, Brampton Beast, ECHL uh, organization of the Canadians, they've started their, their playoff series. They certainly have. Um, they are um, playing the Brampton Beast, are the ECHL affiliate. And why do we care about them? Because they have Habs prospects down there too. Zach Bucali, who I just mentioned, was up. Uh, with the Ice Caps is back now with the Brampton Beast. Uh, Connor Crisp, um, uh, who's been outstanding for the the Beast, and Dalton Thrower, um, Canadians prospects there. Um, they're in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, the Reading Royals are the ECHL affiliate of the Philadelphia Flyers. On Thursday night, uh, the Beast um, had a very strong final two periods, but uh, couldn't couldn't get the equalizer. They dropped the game two to one to the Royals. Game two goes tonight um, in Reading and uh, the Rocket Sports team um, will be in beautiful downtown Reading, Pennsylvania to bring you uh, uh, live coverage uh, of, of that game as well. We have our uh, team uh, in St. John's um, to, uh, to update the, uh, the uh, very important last regular season game for the St. John's Ice Caps. This edition of the Ice Caps Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the St. John's Ice Caps, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. It'll come back out. Markov, back to Weber. He'll move it out. Pacioretty, shooting, scramble, score. It's over. It's good. It's good. I'm uh, happy that uh, we we won and uh, and we won here in front of our fans, you know, and uh, we tied it up the series. And but it, like I said, it's nothing, nothing yet uh, happened. You know, it's one-one, and right now we're going through their building, and it's going to be hard. And but we we gotta we gotta play like we played uh, in the third, you know, like last ten minutes, and in uh, overtime, you know, play smart hockey and play more in their zone than in ours. All right, it's episode 207 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G, along with Rick Stevens from allabs.net. So we heard the goal that gave the Canadians a victory in game number two, and the goal scorer, uh, Alex Radulov, who mentions in the clip that, you know what, it's not over yet. There's still lots of hockey to be uh, to be played. And that includes game number three, which will be on uh, Sunday night at uh, Madison Square Garden. And our question of the day, pretty simple. What changes, if any, would you make if uh, f- for the Montreal Canadiens? And we're going to begin with our uh, Twitter account. Uh, Blaine Podvin writes, Davidson in for Nesterov. If Emelin were healthy, he'd be in for Boyer. Maybe Mitchell in for Martinson. So thank you for uh, the tweet. Uh, Blaine, uh, uh, one thing for sure is I definitely take out Nesterov uh, out of the lineup, uh, regardless if Emelin is uh, healthy or or not. And I know we don't officially know for Alexi Emelin, but he hasn't skated with the team for I don't know. It's probably been like about a week. So if he hasn't skated yet, game is on Sunday. We haven't heard anything yet. I personally don't expect Amelin to be back in the lineup um, for game number three. Skills, she writes, what we have is working, but I'd like to see Mitchell and McCarron for King and Martinson and hope Emelin is back soon. Bowyer needs to play with Ben. So thank you for the tweet, Skills. And there's still a couple more uh, tweets, uh, Rick, to read. But besides... 
let's say that Bolio and Nesterov pairing, and assuming like an Emil himself, isn't uh, example making changes on the fourth line, like bringing McCarron in, bringing uh, Martinson out, etc. I find that it's a little bit uh, too many changes considering like the way the series has gone so far. What do you think? Um, I I I think they. They, um, I think you're right. You don't want to make uh, too many changes, um, but clearly uh, Nesteroff had a had an issue, um, and and whether Bolu was at fault, whether Nesteroff was at fault, um, uh, I think I think you brought, have to bring in um, Davidson. Um, I, as I said, I wasn't terribly impressed with Martinson. Um, uh, so, if you uh, but I don't. I don't know that um, particularly going into Madison Square Garden, whether you put a young guy, uh, a rookie like uh, Mike McCarron, in um, in there as well. So I'd be less likely to do that move than I would uh, to bring Nestorov out of the lineup. Our right, next tweet comes from uh, Peter uh, Martin from uh, Montreal. Peter writes. Only if Emelin is back, I wouldn't try Davidson as he has zero experience and is more offensive-minded. I like him, but tough spot right now. So thank you for the tweet, Peter. And we have another tweet from another Peter, Peter G., a friend of the show. He writes, my question to you, so I guess you means you, Rick. Uh-oh. So Peter asks, if Emelin isn't ready for game three, do you replace Nesterov with a defenseman from AHL? How about Sergachev or uh, Julson? Well, it 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 won't be Sergachev or Julson. Um, uh, that that would be, I think, unfair to uh, either of those players. Uh, Zach Redmond uh, in in um, St. John's is probably playing his best hockey right now. Um, now we'll see what happens tonight um if if the ice caps were to be eliminated no doubt that zach redmond would be one of the black aces um but i i think that would be more more unlikely than than putting davidson in uh joel hanley is also in st john's he was named the last night in the year-end awards was named the ice caps defenseman of the year i think that's even you know more remote possibility um I I think that uh, Julian would probably go with Davidson uh, over the Ice Caps choices at this point. All right, next tweet comes from uh, Ray Topping and from Palm Springs, California. He writes, "I want McCarron in the lineup." So thank you for the tweet. And the last one on this topic comes from uh, Deborah Gordon from Montreal. She writes, "I would change nothing." Hashtag Go Habs. Go. So I guess you don't mess with the winning lineup. So thank you, everybody, for your tweet. And Rick, what does it look like on the All Habs Facebook page? We're getting a ton of response on the All Habs Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search for All Habs, all one word, and you'll, you'll find the fan page. Don Huntington, Huntington says, I'm simply astounded at the absence of Alex Galchenyuk and the brain cramps that keep reoccurring with Nathan Beaulieu. Beaulieu was minus three last night. Yikes. Uh, Norman Legault continues uh, with that theme, saying, Beaulieu scares me. Susie Kovacs, much more um, positive. She says, no, it was a great game. Uh, Don't change a thing. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Teresa Philippot says, Nesteroff out, Davidson in, King out, McCarran in. And she asks, what happened to Zach Redman? Uh, Well, I think we just (laughs) answered that. Uh, Tyson Ryan says 28 needs to go. Nathan was awful, minus three last night. Nolan Bernier says they moved Chucky to the third line center, which I really liked, uh, giving him people to play with and moving King down to the fourth line to be a physical presence. Um, So he likes that change. And and if that change were to happen again, uh, David Campo Sarconi says fix the power play as soon as possible. Uh, other than that, we'll be fine. And the power play, power play was 0 for 7. Um, 
or it, it's been over seven in the, in the series. Um, and I've had a couple of, of chances the, the the Rangers have also been over seven. So perhaps it's just uh, a, a very good penalty kill on either side. Um, Adam Como says the Habs need to finish their hits. Okay. <laughs> well, the hitting has been unbelievable in this series. Um, uh, the the Canadians, you know, they average maybe 15, 20 hits a, a game. They've had, uh, let me just see here, 53 hits in game one, 55 hits in game two for a total of 108 over two games. Uh, the Rangers have 119. The hitting has been ridiculous, very intense, very physical. Um, so I think the hitting is uh, just fine. Thank you very much. All right, a couple of uh, other tweets on uh, subjects that we've talked during today's episode. Uh, Laurie from the Greater Toronto Area in regards to Alex Galchenyuk's role for game number three. Uh, She writes that he'll play third center between Lekonen and Shaw. And uh, Eric Michaud from uh, Connecticut agrees with Laurie. He writes, back at center, move Shaw to the wing. Shaw is great on the forecheck need to take advantage of that. So thank you very much for the tweet, Eric, as well. And to the topic of Nathan Bollier, uh, Blaine Podvin writes, Habs will trade Bollier this offseason to gain some help up front. So thank you for the tweet as well, uh, Blaine. And, well, your tweets and your comments on the, the All Habs Facebook page are appreciated. That's why Habs 360 is the most informative and interactive podcast that you'll find listen up it's time for some bad tweets on hams 360 well rick especially after a game like game number one where the canadians lost the first game of the series i'm pretty sure it wasn't hard for you to find uh, a bad tweet we do have some bad tweets i'm just going to mention before we get away from i, w- I was i just found a um there was lots of comments on the All Habs face, uh, Facebook page, but you were talking about uh, criticism of Claude Julien between game one and game two. Um, here's, here's one from Romeo Dupuy. Um, get rid of Julien. He's the worst coach in the NHL. Why do you think the Bruins sent him away? Now the Bruins have started winning with the assistant coach. I love the Habs, but a terrible coaching decision. It's funny how the Bruins were not in the playoffs until they sent Julian back. <laughs> so may, maybe that's a, maybe that's a bad Facebook message, but um, <laughs> I just wanted to toss that in there since you were mentioning that uh, um, we've seen Terry be under fire all, all season, but, uh, but now it's starting to be, the cannons are being pointed at Julian as well. So now on to our uh, bad tweet of the week. Um, I'm going to read a couple of them. Um, this one is from um, on Twitter, Mike Montrealer. His name's Mike Berthold. If we only had a puck-moving defenseman to help the transition game, uh, like, just stop it. You know what he's getting at there? Um, these these diehard PK fans that, that don't understand that the trade was a huge benefit for the Canadians. And there's not many of them. There's not many that, that haven't seen the light, but uh, I guess Mike's one of them who is still holding on to the, um, the PK trade. Now this, uh, <laughs> this other one, um, this gets my, my winner for bad uh, tweet of the week from JFK, um, JK Luber on, on Twitter. He says, uh, Habs, you want Halak back because price stinks. Uh, JFK Luber from East Shoreman, New York. So, um, He's uh, he's criticizing Carey Price, who has been nothing short of phenomenal since uh, for since uh, Claude Julien arrived, and certainly for the two games in the playoffs. And I I, I did see some uh, Carey Price criticism as well after game number one, but that goal that was scored uh, by uh, by by Tanner Glass. It was uh, Price probably didn't seem like he was ready for it, but it wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad goal either. Uh, even in game number two, uh, Rick Nash took a nice shot top corner. It's hard to put the blame on uh, Carey Price on 
on at least during these first uh, two games of uh, the series. And one thing that we saw, especially in game number one, is that goaltending will be very important to determine the winner of uh, this series. All right, so Rick, uh, so next Saturday, when we do episode 208 of the Habs 360 podcast, Will we be looking at a game six game day? Will we be looking back at the series, either Canadians win or Rangers lost? How do you see the series playing out in the next uh, seven days? Well, uh, when you asked me last week, I, I said, uh, I started to say five, then I said six. I corrected myself. I still see it going six um, games, and uh, I still see the, the, uh, the Habs, as long as they, you know, they make the changes necessary. I still see them coming out on top. So I think next week we're going to be talking, we're going to be prepping game six, and hopefully we'll also be talking about playoff hockey uh, for the Canadians in the AHL and ECHL. And I think as well that we are going to be talking about a game for game number six. I think uh, game number three tomorrow night in New York, reporting game, uh, it, would, it would, in terms of changing the momentum of the series, if the Canadians managed to beat the first, the Rangers in the first game, at Madison Square Garden, it will definitely, it will definitely help. So, one thing for, that is for sure that is that we will be back in seven days to talk about more about the Montreal Canadiens. So, Rick, uh, thank you very much, and also uh, we'll be following along to read the the Canadiens coverage on all Habs and also the HL dot report for coverage of the Beast and the Ice Caps. So, we'll talk again next week, Rick. Great show. Thanks for having me and look forward to uh, chatting with people on, on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, and right here next week on the Habs 360 podcast. And uh, thanks to everybody who sent in your tweets, your feedback on uh, the All Habs Facebook page. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. We're going to be back next Saturday, 2 Eastern, probably looking ahead to a game number six in a series between the Canadians and the Rangers. Enjoy your week and enjoy the game. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.